The Church of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle that meets in Madison, Connecticut, brings you this edition of Shi'ar Jashub, which in Hebrew means, a remnant shall return. This is Patty Scalza, and I pray you are blessed and edified today as we continue the Heavenly Authority series with the conclusion of a message on the census of Israel. My husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, delivered this sermon in 2003, drawing on the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 24, where King David is moved to number Israel and Judah. Pastor went back into the books of Exodus and Numbers to see God's instructions to Moses on how to number the people. And when we left off, Pastor was reading from Numbers, chapter 26, verse 51, where the second census is being taken. Let's rejoin Pastor Greg for the conclusion of this Sunday message. These are those who are numbered of the children of Israel, 600, 1,730. So before we had 603,000 plus, now we have 601,000 plus, almost 602,000. Verse 52, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, to these the land shall be divided as an inheritance according to the number of names. To a large tribe you shall give a larger inheritance, and to a small tribe you shall give a smaller inheritance. Each shall be given its inheritance according to those who were numbered of them. But the land shall be divided by lot, and they shall inherit according to the names of the tribes of their fathers. So again, it serves a purpose, right? To know how many, to know the names, to set up Israel so that every tribe, every father's house has land apportioned, that every child born is guaranteed a home. They don't have to rent. Everyone is going to be given land. And you have to know how many you have to do it properly and fairly. The lot will determine what location of God will say who goes where. But the numbers allow it to be done fairly. There's a purpose to the numbering. And it also gives glory to God, doesn't it? Just like we said before, because if you remember, he says here in verse 57 of chapter 26, and these are those who are numbered of the Levites. So again, they number the Levites according to their families. And verse 62, Now those who were numbered of them were 23,000, every male from a month old and above. So just like before, the Levites are numbered for the substitutionary principle, but not 20 and above, rather from one month old and above. And he says here in verse 62, for they were not numbered among the other children of Israel because there was no inheritance given them among the children of Israel. Verse 63, These are those who were numbered by Moses and Eleazar the priest, who numbered the children of Israel on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. But among these there was not a man of those who were numbered by Moses and Aaron the priest when they numbered the children of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had said of them, they shall surely die in the wilderness. So there was not left a man of them except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. So there also gives glory to God. 
You had the numbering for a purpose to divide up the promised land. You had the leaving out of the Levites and the importance of the obligation to the service of God, also intimately connected to this numbering. And you have the fact stated the Levites are not going to have their own inheritance, their lot. They're going to be dispersed, their service, and we need to have numbers for that service throughout the promised land. And remember, in this numbering of the 601,730, not one of them except for Caleb and Joshua was among the 603,550 that was numbered in the wilderness of Sinai. And why is that so important? Why is that so important? How does that bring glory to God? Because if you look back into Numbers chapter 14 and verse 29, the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered, according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I shall bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you... Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. According to the number of days which you spied out the land, forty days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely forty years, and you shall know my rejection. See, they kept saying, what has God done? What has Moses done? He led us out into this wilderness, and our children are going to die. We would have been better off back in Egypt. What was going on back in Egypt to the male children? Pharaoh made the decree to kill them, right? So it's not true. They did not have faith in God to protect their children. Now, part of the first number we were told here, they were to go right into the promised land. It might have been maybe two years, and they would have been into the promised land. And so that first numbering would have been used to apportion up the land for them. But they didn't trust God. And so he says all of that number, except for Caleb and Joshua, will die in the wilderness. And the very children who they said, well, you're going to let our children die, they are the ones that will go into the promised land. And so when he numbers them again over 600,000, it brings glory to God to show that God kept his promises. The children they thought would die, even in the harsh 40 years in the wilderness, God kept them alive. And when that one generation was gone, he replaced them. And all that go into the promised land are of a new generation except for Joshua and Caleb. And it brings again glory to God, to what God can do. And that's the purpose of the book of Numbers, to show that there is a right time to number, that numbering gives glory to God. It means there's an obligation to serve God. It's for a purpose. God will use numbers in the purpose of dividing up the land, providing for the tabernacle. Numbers are not bad things. Numbers are good things. Some people have difficulty with mathematics. And they wish they never would see another number. But numbers can be very good things in the right way. You notice that God ordained numbering for his purpose, David has selfish concerns. 
God gives specific rules. The money must be paid, an obligation to service. There's no mention of that in 2 Samuel. And it's paid that the servants can go forth to do his work. And we'll see that David's motives and his methods are not right. They're not according to the word of God in Numbers and Exodus to Moses. His motives, his methods are not right. They're not good. Numbering, to summarize, correctly used, glorifies God. It glorifies God's work. It glorifies his purpose. It quantifies and identifies his work. And it gives us righteous instruction and righteous understanding. It's nice to have numbers next to the verses in your Bible, right? They weren't given by God, but was it wrong for men to number the scriptures such? No. It helps us to memorize, right? Gives us righteous instructions and understanding. But men use numbers to glorify men, to identify man's power, to enhance man's power, and to control and to manipulate. And I'll just close very quickly with this account. Last week, Wednesday of last week on CNBC, they were showing things to come in one of the conventions where they open it up to all the new technology that's on the horizon. And IBM has this watch that they were very uh, excited about on the stock market programs because uh, this watch that's due to come out in five years running a Linux system will have the ability to you put your finger on it and it'll read your fingerprint. So everyone else is locked out except you, supposedly. And all your credit card, besides your calendar and your dates and everything, all the computational PDA kind of stuff, this small watch will have all your credit card information. So you'll walk in a store and when you want to buy, you go bing with your watch and it'll register. Matter of fact, you can set it up so when you walk in the store, the senses read your watch and all the preferences you have, the things, the sales you've been looking for, that barbecue you've been waiting to go on sale, it'll flash your watch and notify, it'll communicate with every store around the globe. It'll know you and you'll know that store and you'll walk in and know everything on sale and then confirm your purchase, put your fingerprint on it, run it through and you'll be able to buy and you'll be able to sell. And I'm watching this saying, but this is chilling. This sounds a little reminiscent of what I read in the book of Revelation. But what happened after that really took me by surprise. It took words out of my mouth. The woman that's giving the report to the male commentator, the host, said, and you know what could happen also? And this would be great. They're talking about a chip. Can you imagine if that chip could be put under our skin and we wouldn't even need the watch? And the host said, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be great? With the advent of the age of computers, the technology certainly can be used to bring great glory to God. The BFIF upgraded their system this week to handle with DSL high speed. I don't have to drive down to the station anymore. All I do now is I take the file, the 6.7 megabytes, I put it on an email attachment to them. What takes me about half an hour or so on my slow computer, the man over there said I was able to download it with the new system in 64 seconds, instantaneously almost, and it'll get faster. And how the gospel is going over the internet to parts of the world that the governments cannot keep it out. Technology, numbering, computing, 
can be used to bring great glory to God, but never before in all of history do we have technology available to number, to bring great control, to manipulate every person that lives and breathes throughout the globe. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Father, we thank you that you give insight into these things in your scriptures. And Father, we pray that you would help us as we continue the study in your will and plan, in Jesus' name, amen. As I said earlier, this sermon was preached back in June of 2003. Technology has advanced even more since then, and Pastor Greg's point is more relevant than ever. Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. The Memorial Hall is adjacent to the Madison Green, and we meet appropriately in the upper room. And as always, we would really love to hear from our listeners if you have been blessed by this program. Our address is Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle. That's S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B Christian Tabernacle P.O. Box 518 Branford, Connecticut 06405 Join Pastor Greg Scalzo as he teaches from God's scriptures in our next broadcast of Shi'ar Jashub. And we pray that the Lord's grace and peace and the abundance of His holiness overflow in your life as you dedicate yourself to Him.